Our Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to gather together here at camp meeting and look at ways we can learn to better serve you. Help us that we can develop the attitude of service and that that can be a part of our life now and throughout eternity. We ask this in thy name. Amen. North American Division Master Guide mission is to empower leaders through effective training, equipping, and deploying them for service. Uh, you, if you go to this particular URL, this, I believe, is a part, it's affiliated, I think, with one of the Texas conferences. And uh, you may find some things there that are a little different than what we have, than the way we do things here. They have a very, very, very big master guide program down there. They have somebody, the only thing they do, this is a conference, um, someone in the, con the conference house, the only thing they do is stuff with master guides, nothing else. Um, but there are, they ha there are some resources there. There is something that is starting to show up around um, some of our conferences that we haven't seen for decades. Long ago, far away, I went to Maplewood Academy in Minnesota. I went there my junior and senior years, and they had something called the Master Guide Club. And the whole idea behind that was to help people become a master guide. I didn't get it done then. I, I made progress on it, but I didn't get it done then. And it wasn't actually about 20 years later, 25 years later, somewhere in there that I got it done. Totally different card. And between now and then, cards have, many cards have come and gone, and we're working with the current stuff. Back then, way back then, the focus was master guides were going to be leaders in the Missionary Volunteer Society. And I, I see a few people nodding their heads that they might remember that term. Missionary Volunteer uh, was a wonderful, wonderful term and a wonderful society and it got killed by politics. So let's talk about those politics. It wasn't, wasn't in this continent. It was on another continent and people went to form MV societies there. And some of the people in government did not like the idea of missionaries. Is that the government, like, government, 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 and so it became necessary to change the name, and so we ended up with AY Adventist Youth, and but it was never as strong in some, in many conferences. Now, if you get into some conferences, 
uh, more of color, you will find a Y that is strong and thriving. Typically in the white conferences, not so much. Master guides are master guides. And master guide clubs are coming back. And they typically have, as I understand it, and my knowledge is being, uh, I, I don't have it all, trust me, trust me. But I, I am learning, two, the, as I understand it, the two primary functions of a master guide club. One is, like the one I had in academy, to help others become master guides. Okay? The other function, and this is the one that sort of goes back to some of the old MV stuff, but not, yet has much of that spirit, is to serve. Now, a while ago, I asked how many of you were at the fair. You remember we had a parade. Do you know who organized that parade? Do you know how that was done? It was really interesting. We have, among our area coordinators, one who is bilingual. This is not his, he is an American citizen, but this is not his country of origin. But he is an American citizen, but he's very bilingual. He came from down south when he was eight or 12. I don't remember. His dad kicked him out of the house. And he's been on his own since. But he found the Lord, and he became a master guide somewhere along the way. And uh, when uh, Pastor Harris was looking for someone to coordinate the um, the parade at the Union Campery, you remember that one? That's a tough one to coordinate. A lot to be done there. He said, I will do that. My master guides and I will do it. And he had master guides who were willing to serve. And their function was to help people know where to be, when to go, where to go. Same thing happened at our parade. Uh, at our, when we go to our camperies, uh, either, either down at Berrien or in the North Woods, we need someone to be on what we call security. Not because we're afraid of somebody stealing someone's phone. That might happen. That's not the big concern. We hope it doesn't happen. Big concern is the safety of our kids from outside. And we want the gates closed at night. And somebody is at the gates. And you know who's been out there? Yep, Master Guides. They are serving. Service can take many, many forms. But that is one of the parts of being a Master Guide. I came across this I think when I was on Facebook, and I copied this image, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. Believe it? Yeah. What is the purpose of Master Guide Ministry? We want to develop Christ-like leaders to disciple children and youth. 
That is what we're about. The pledge, loving the Lord Jesus, I promise to take an active part in the work of the Adventurer and Pathfinder Ministries, doing what I can to help finish the work of the gospel in all the world. So how do we help in all the world? We're here right now. I, and I should have done this earlier. What, what, do we have anybody here from a conference other than the Michigan conference? I'm curious. Some years we do. Okay, we're all from the Michigan conference. Okay. So we're all here in the Michigan conference. How do we help finish the gospel, the work of the gospel in all the world? If we're master guides, how do we do that? Some of our kids can become missionaries. You know, I, when I, I moved to Michigan 21 years ago this month. And in the Lansing Church, there was a guy there. Uh, he and his family were there. And uh, I got to know him a little bit, but not a lot. But he went on a teen mission, and he caught this bug of the idea of being a missionary. And right now he's over in Southeast Asia. Been there for 10 years. And that's where he's working. That is his day job. So some of us get to help support him in a monetary way. And it's a privilege. Okay. Dominican. Yeah. Yep. That's a big part of how we, you know, there's this catchphrase, think globally, act locally. You know, that's what we have to do. And maybe part of acting locally is a yard sign. What might that yard sign say? Yeah. What? Biblestudy.com. Okay, so that, that, that's one way you can act locally, right? A lot of times, you know, we think the world's out there, but the world, you know, we are part of the world. Yeah. Yeah, we live in Bloomingdale, Michigan. That is part of the world. So we have a mission to get the gospel to where we're at. So that is part of our big mission. It sure is. We send missionaries elsewhere to get Bloomingdale. And that part is not the evangelism. We need to think about that. There's times of mission we need to do that. But we also need to think locally. One of the biggest things our church do when we've sent groups, you know, some people can go, some people can help monetarily, Biggest thing for Work out for them. 
just going to be faster. I mean, he is not afraid to get up there. Every time he gets up in pressures, he zooms to me. And he's always sticking behind you. And it's because you, you have to just, you have to lift them up and, and, and be their full gun. Because it, it doesn't have to be anything. But pat them on the back or, you know, they're not, it, it can be one of the dangerous verses if they're not. They asked her to read a Bible verse and she doesn't, she doesn't want to read it. So I went and sat next to her and I ended up reading it because, you know, even though I told her what it was, but just that. It's just that encouragement of the being there for them because, you know, he, he doesn't have everything. Her mom struggles because she's not, you know, a citizen yet. She's working on it, but because of church members, not just being there, they're there is a guy in my home church who has connections um, I don't know about at least he did um, in the GC he was personal friends with some of the presidents and I have overheard him comment overheard him say that realistically the North American division as far as giving supports a lot of the rest of the world that can't some of there are some divisions that cannot support themselves that's just how it is and there are some churches where people pay tithe to a pastor in produce and uh, no, as an aside on that, my father, when he retired, he was a well driller, but when, when he retired from that, he went back to what he learned from his dad, growing vegetables, which was a mixed blessing because my mom might be busy doing something and he'd bring in a bushel of corn that needed to be dealt with or a half bushel of tomatoes or whatever it was you know and so based on that little experience that i've seen in my life i suspect that sometimes if our pastors get their tithe if tithe is paid to them in produce that can cause some challenges in their household too Sometimes it's probably a real blessing because they've got something to eat. Um, but we want to help finish the work of the gospel in the world. That's, what mas that's part of why we're master guides, right? So we're going to try and develop some leadership skills. Among the things we need to learn about is motivating the act of... Uh, what does it mean to motivate? You're going to see that the, in the definition there, it refers to actuate, propel, move, etc. So, and we talked, we touched on this in the previous one, but sometimes one of the shortcomings in any group is the inactivity of certain members. Any member's inactivity cause, can cause problems to the group and the leader. Obviously, we've lost their, the resource that they had. 
And so the whole thing can't be as effective as a group. But realistically, one of the more demoralizing things is just the effect it has on other people. We need, everybody needs to learn how to shoulder their own, their part of the weight. Now, here's a quiz for you. How many people do we have hauling that? Most likely, which one has the most weight? Taller? Sometimes it's the one in the middle. Yeah. But, but taller typically ends up with, with their full share. Sometimes the reason some people aren't active because they don't understand what needs to be done. What part are they supposed to play? And, or they just haven't gotten anything that's going to motivate them. The fault doesn't always lie in the members. They'll usually respond to the motivation they get. But if it's none at all, uh, nothing's going to happen. And there, this is an interesting one. We must maintain a sense of urgency. Speed is the key. We must be faster than our competition. So does that mean you'll sign the stuff that's been on your desk for a month? <laughs> and at home he says, logical questions don't mix with motivational messages. Hopefully that's not the situation you're looking at. So how do you motivate a group? So motivation, if it's the source of all of our action, what, what, how do we do this? Effort doesn't necessarily pull it off. Group action is the result of in the motivation of individuals within a group. Sometimes there are key people in a group, and if you can get them going, everybody else falls in behind them. The second club that I had in Minnesota, if you had Heidi going in the right direction, the club was going in the right direction. That's just how it was. And um, Heidi was a real challenge for, for quite a while in the club. Uh, and there were, I can remember there were many weeks after Pathfinders, I was evaluating, was I going to still be a Pathfinder director? I don't know how much of this I can take. And the last year I was there, Heidi earned her master guide and taught the friend and companion classes. Remember, you don't lead groups, rather you lead the people that make up the group, each as an individual. When you get it every year, yeah, with some exceptions, but frequently, you're going to have a new club with a bunch of people that you had the year before, but you got some new folk. Or you can be like in the situation I've been in a few times where you're meeting a whole bunch of people because this is a totally new club to you and it's all a big challenge. One thing that helped me learn names was to get a roster put together. And this is how I, and I should have this in the handouts, I don't. So you're going to, I have a board. I will write on the board. So we have the name of the club, the church, you know, as in Lansing Capitals. Then we have the friends, the companions, the explorers, etc. And 
I listed them by class, alphabetically by last name. That's what worked for me. That maybe won't work for you, but find something that works for you. That's I had that printed out, and each one of my staff members had one, so that they could get. So I there was, I had somebody that was in charge of of friends, somebody that was in charge of companions, somebody that was in charge of explorers, and so they knew who their group was. But this also helped them learn who the other people were in the club. Okay, that's part of how we can learn how they are as individuals. Here's a couple of really inspired guys. What do you think? Should we get started on that motivational research or not? Does it look like they're liable to? Not no time soon, I don't think. Salesmanship requires a great deal of individual motivation, so that's a big part of what it's about. A successful salesperson will help a client discover a desire for whatever it is that they're that they're selling. Now, if salespeople only see what they get out of it, then and they don't spend an adequate time helping other people see that they're solving their problems, it doesn't work. Zig Ziglar commented about, and this is a, a, a loose paraphrase, but you can get everything you want if you help enough other people get what they want. If a leader disregards the desires of the individuals in the group, guess what? Before long, they're not leading. And so they're going to, they haven't been motivated. There's no motivation that meets their needs, so they're going to do nothing. So you need to get it going in the right direction and keep them going in the right direction. Abraham Maslow came up with his hierarchy of needs, and we're going to be looking at these um, individually. Um, I recently came across an updated version of this, something that Maslow probably was not, didn't have the opportunity to become aware of. In our current generation, uh, Wi-Fi is seen as a basic need. Uh, so, physiological, hunger, thirst, sleep, these are a person's physical needs. <coughs> I work, my day job is repairing band instruments. I fix trumpets, trombones, French horns, tubas, that kind of stuff. And a lot of this stuff, you know, I've done the same thing. You know, there's a lot of routine stuff, and um, I've been doing it for years, so I don't have to concentrate um, with all my energy on a lot of it, so I'll often listen to books. Um, one of my coworkers loves to listen to classic rock, and I'm not interested in in hearing "Born to Be Wild" or or "Bad to the Bone" or any of that other trash. So I listen to books, uh, recorded books sometimes, and I can remember listening to one that dealt with some uh, POWs in World War II in the Philippines. And the, these guys were not getting enough food. And uh, they were, uh, they had a list of, of anomalies that were, that the doctor was seeing that he had never seen before. He, he'd heard of them, but had never, <clears throat> never seen them. But 
they, they weren't getting enough food, and everybody was hungry all the time. And it just didn't go away. It did not go away. Physiological needs are very important. Now, there's another one that's not even on the list. But here, here, here's a real quick exercise. I want everybody to take a deep breath and hold it. Now, you, you get the idea, but let's turn it around. Take your deep breath and blow it out and don't breathe in. And you'll find you're not going to go very far. You know, <clears throat> think, about, think about what if you're underwater. And, uh, you, you know, that you want to get up there real quick. Stick your head out and get some air. Okay, that's what we're talking about physiological needs. Safety. Uh, we, we're seeing more, more signs of this today than we did 20 years ago. I could take you to the spot I was. I was working, uh, I don't, and I don't remember if it was a trumpet I was working on, but I can take you to the spot I was when I first heard that a plane flew into uh, one of the Twin Towers in New York. I remember exactly where I was. And initially they thought, the initial report that I heard was they thought it was a small private plane. But that's some of what, you know, we have kids that are uptight today about stuff that I never worried about. Come on, you're supposed to move on. Esteem, self-respect, achievement, status, you know, we all need, everybody wants to be loved, right? And, you know, the, but if we can't, if we don't have enough food to eat, we're going to worry a little bit less about these. We want this for all of our kids. We want them all to achieve as much as possible to find out what their gifts are and to develop them to the, as much as possible. But if one of our stronger needs is threatened, we're going to jump down however far it is to defend it. You don't worry about status if you're starving. And if you appear to threaten people's security by your proposed changes as a leader, guess what? they're going to respond. Probably not quite the way you want. Secondly, a satisfied need ceases to motivate. Before I ask you to hold your breath, how many of you were thinking about air? No, no. You're all experiencing it at all you need. When psychological and security needs have been satisfied, they don't move us as strongly. How far this goes up could be a matter for discussion. He was a secular humanist, and we're not going to get into all of his stuff, but that part 
I think holds water. And Hertzberger has a two-factor theory, and I don't. We don't have a lot of time for that. Uh, you know, th these are things that you can check into more on if, if you're interested. Um, achievement, a sense of personal achievement in the work being accomplished and brought to a successful conclusion. A sense that one is making a worthwhile contribution to the objective as a group. Can you see this happening in a Pathfinder club or an adventurer club? Yeah, yeah. Now, you maybe aren't doing a North Pole Marathon, but there are other things that you can do together as a group and help them see that they are achieving something that's worthwhile. You know, let, let me just speak to the worthwhile thing as a bit for, for a couple of moments. Long ago, far away, my mom was a Pathfinder director. And I got to be in her club, but pathfindering then was different than now. And I, I never asked her on this, and it's too late now. But we never worked. We worked on a lot of honors, and I learned a whole bunch of stuff doing that. And I mean, in my kitchen, t uh, around my kitchen tables, where my dad showed me how to tie a bowline, and I can still tie a bowline, uh, and I use them from time to time. That is one of the keys of learning how to tie knots, by the way. Uh, I heard one club director talking about how his kids had no interest in learning to pay, to how to tie knots until he explained that in a few weeks they were going in a camp out. They were not taking tents. They were going to take tarps and rope. But they were not taking tents. And so... If you don't know how to tie the knots, you might have a problem. And he says, you know what? All my kids learned how to tie knots. But anyway, when my mom was the Pathfinder director, we were working on real honors. And, um, you know, I, I don't wear the belt anymore that, that I made. It doesn't fit, unfortunately. But, of course, I was a lot it was smaller then, but anyway, um, wore out the wallets. And, and, but we were working on real honors. But my mom was also my dad's secretary, and he had a, ran a small business, and she was also the church treasurer. And there came the, the day when she says, I can't do this much, and she let Pathfinder go, and somebody else became the Pathfinder leader. She called it Pathfinders. And one of my cousins called it baby finders. We did these little crafts. Her idea was you needed to be able to finish a project in one, to, in one session. And one that I remember was you had uh, a paper plate, and on it you put, uh, you glued on uh, pieces of colored eggshell to make a picture. So I was a little kid then, and I thought it was stupid. Um, and, I, and I can see from your responses that you're not getting inspired to, 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 uh, to try and develop an honor and make this uh, a big part of your program. And that's good, because we had nothing when we were done, you know. Um, 
acknowledging a person's contribution. You were talking about that a little bit with that one guy. Whenever he does something, you know, when our kids do something, we need to point out, hey, you did a good, you did a good job. Yeah. Guess what? Some adults like that too. So a couple of weeks ago, I, a couple of months ago, I, I got drafted uh, to one of my coworkers plays in the Capital City Brass Band. And he's been after me for a couple of years to get, hey Dave, you gotta get a cornet. We need more cornet players. And I said, nah, nah. And he came to me a couple of months ago and says, Dave, we have a real problem. We don't have a flugel player and we got a concert coming up. And I know you've got a flugelhorn. And so I ended up, I had one rehearsal and under a substitute conductor and then the real, then I met the regular conductor at the concert. And uh, it was a real adventure because some of this music is kind of tough and I hadn't got in as much practice as I should have. And I can remember there was one piece where I knew we were about in here somewhere, but I just I was able to, I didn't, you know, I, there was no way I was going to try and play out when I didn't know I was in the right spot, you know, but I was able to get, get cooked up and get finished with everybody else. We had another, another concert after three more rehearsals, which was a wonderful help. And, uh, you know, I've been playing for a long time. And, but it still was nice when the director came up to me afterward and says, really liked how you played in that one spot. Our kids like that too. Our kids like that a lot. And they need it more than I did. They need it a lot more than I did. Sometimes the recognition we give isn't for big things. Sometimes it can be just for something really small. I remember once... Um, Dave screwed up on a, on a camp out. And um, we were working on camping skills and stuff like that. And there was, I had this one friend who really, really, really looked up to a couple of the TLTs. And he really, really looked up to them. And Saturday night, I should have made him go to bed sooner. But he wanted, he was enjoying their company. And, and they were, you know, there are some older kids that don't want to be bothered with little kids. But these were gracious. Unfortunately, he didn't get as much sleep as he needed. And he needed more than they did. And the next day, when it was time for, for us to pack up our stuff, everybody has to pack their stuff. And everybody had to load their stuff. Well, he wanted to play with his soccer ball. And no, this wasn't the time. For, and, and we had a big discussion. Um, and, and I simply, you know, I informed him that not is not, this isn't the time for the soccer ball. And you need to move your stuff into the trailer one of the TLTs helped him do it. And as soon as they got on in the van and, and were, were a mile down the road, this kid, this friend, 
he was out. But that's when it was time for me to talk to the TLT and say, thank you. You really did a good job. You, you did your honest part. Sometimes we get to do things that we're not that interested in. But sometimes things need to be done. Obviously, here we have somebody that's not that fond of what they're about. And you can tell from the monitor that this isn't the latest in today's technology. You know, do we trust our kids? Um, how much are we going to let, let them do? Do they have the authority to make decisions? Are they going to be accountable for what's done? How much responsibility can we give TLTs? You're both right. A lot and only what they can handle. How do you know how much they can handle? Start with small things and work up. You, number of years ago, we had the uh, Faith on Fire Campery. And so I was, at that time, I was the director of the Lansing Capitals. And we'd been to the evening meeting. And we were just leaving the evening meeting, actually. And one of the girls came up to me, all like, Mr. Christensen, Mr. Christensen, can we sing in the choir? Can we sing in the choir? Huh? <laughs> and so I got her slowed down enough to find out what in the world is she talking about. Well, come to find out, they were putting a choir together of campers. And she and, a, and some of her friends wanted to sing in it. When's the rehearsal? Now, when is it going to be over? And she gave me a time that she thought it was going to be over. And so I said, um, okay. So then uh, I took whatever the time she gave me and added, I don't remember, 10 or 15 minutes. It related to how far we were from things. It says, so then I can see you. I will see you then. She says, yes. She says, I will be looking for you. And, now, and I got a list from her of, of the, the three girls that, were, that wanted to be in it. And so I'm, I'm back at the camp. And you're doing what, we, what you, you know. And... Uh, Kids are going to bed. The one kid disappeared. Uh, one of the friends, did, he, he just flat disappeared. And somebody went looking for him. He's in his sleeping bag. He was out. <laughs> Smart kid. Smart kid. And this is a different one than, than the one I had been talking about before. And uh, anyway, so kids are going. It's time for most of them are in bed. Just a few staff sitting around. And, and I'm watching my watch, and I see the time is coming, and I hear the the the, uh, the sound of running. There are footsteps approaching me, and lo and behold, the girls are come running in. Did we make it? Did we make it? I say, yep, yep, you made it with time to spare. Now, question: Was the rehearsal over? No. Says, okay, do you have any idea how much longer it would have taken? And she says, yeah, I think about so long. He says, and how long would it take you to get back without running? And so now we've got an additional number. I says, okay. 
you just showed me that you can be responsible. So now I can, I can trust you with more. And guess what? They were back on time the next night without running. But, and I now knew I could trust her more. You know, that's simple. Do we give our kids a chance to feel like they're advancing in their abilities? Sometimes it's easier than others, but we need to provide the right climate and opportunities for each individual. And sometimes it can, finding ways to do that can be a challenge. But I tell you, as it, when I was a director, I all of a sudden figured out that I really, really, really need my TLTs because they made my life easier. Sometimes we need to be flexible. Um, I, I learned that sometimes we may have plans for what we're going to do at a meeting, and we may have backup plans, and sometimes it doesn't always work. Uh, one time, uh, one year we had been to the, uh, to the Pathfinder workshop, and one of my staff, Carmen, she had taken a class Aunt Shelley taught on uh, how to teach the shell on her. And she had the supplies, and she came back with a disc that had the PowerPoint, and it had worksheets and all sorts of cool stuff. So, uh, and, and we had planned that, that Carmen was going to be teaching the, the shell on her on this particular night. And we knew that the PowerPoint was going to be real easy because the one classroom had a projector and, and all of this stuff. And, and we always met at the school. We, we started out in the gym, and then we could go to this one classroom. Guess what? We get there, and we'd found out the school board had decided they were going to have a special meeting. And guess where they're going to have it? It wasn't in the gym. It was in the only room that had a projector <coughs> with a computer. And so we had a quick staff meeting, and I pulled it, and I made sure the TLTs were there. I mean, I'm looking for all the ideas I can get. And so I say, I said, this is our problem. What are we going to do? And I didn't, Dave did not have a solution. He was really looking. And the staff's looking around, and one TLT looks at, the, at another one and says, well, isn't there that one projector in, in the gym for that thing that's coming up? Yeah. Well, there's that, there's that projector we can pull down. It says, no, we just need a laptop. And I knew of one at home that wasn't great, but it was going to be adequate, so I ran home and got that. You know, I, I was at a total loss. Another time we had a snowstorm, and this is one of those ones that... that wasn't expected, and not everyone lives close by, and all of a sudden we've got a bunch of folk that, a bunch of staff that couldn't come, and but we have some that did, some kids and staff that came, but there's no way we can have a normal program. I mean, we can have the, do our devotional and, and some stuff, but because of, uh, of our lack of bodies, the, our normal programming isn't going to work out, so... Well, again, what are we going to do? So we went out, outside, in the snowstorm, and we had a snowman building contest. 
divided up into units. I wouldn't have thought of that. Kids did. I also wouldn't have thought of doing snowmen some of the ways they did. It ended up being a dry, powdery snow. So, but it was, we had, I think, three groups. And they weren't normal units, but they were equal sized. For, and, and the first snowman that was brought to me for inspection was this high. So we hadn't said how high they needed to be. You know? I did see one six foot one, though. I'd never seen a snowman in repose before. But the kids thought about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was so proud of them, you know? So how do we motivate kids? Well, build relationships with them. If you're going to be a pathfinder or adventurer or director, live by the pledge and law. That's what you want to do. Be careful of stereotypes and provide opportunities for them to take an initiative as much as possible, within reason, involve them in decision-making. Now, they can't make all the decisions um, because we need more on our on the menu than donuts and ice cream, okay? We've all heard a lot about peer pressure. Sometimes peer pressure can be positive. And if we can have positive peer pressure, we want to harness it. And just like you saw at the fair, tap young adolescents' desire to make commitments. Provide safe opportunities for risk-taking. Risk-taking can take many, many forms. It could be in the form of a physical risk where you're learning repelling, okay? But do it in a responsible way. And make sure we have people uh, and equipment there that are appropriate so that to train people so it can be done right. What's another form of risk-taking? Yeah, just handing out a glow track. So sometimes... For some kids, it's terrifying to be involved in Pathfinder Sabbath. Now, different people do Pathfinder Sabbath. And what I'm about to say is not the only way to do Pathfinder Sabbath. If you're not doing it like I am, I'm, I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I'm just saying you're doing it different than I did. Okay? When I did it, I wanted, when my club was doing it, I, I wanted the pastor and the elders to look after announcements. And, and most of the time, I wanted the regular pianist because we didn't have one that could do it. Other than that, we were going to do it all. And there was... Now, is it a friend that I'm going to stick in to to be the pulpiteer of the day, to get up and do the preachment? Probably not. There might be sometimes, but, but there are a lot of kids who are really terrified. Um, here, but I wanted my kids doing everything. Everything. And for a couple of reasons. One is I want them the experience of doing it. 
to have that experience. This is a part of growing up. And uh, some of us uh, aren't going to get translated. So there's a whole bunch of folks that were going to the Lansing Church when I showed up 21 years ago that aren't going there anymore. And it's not because they found another congregation or, or, or another denomination. It's because they're resting. Okay? Um, and all of those people need to, that were doing stuff need to be replaced by somebody. And my Pathfinders can have a part in that. Okay? Just like this one guy that's over in, he's not in Thailand anymore, I forget where he's at, but somewhere in Southeast Asia. You know, he started out, you know, that Pathfinders is where he learned to get up front. And uh, from based on my experience, one of the hard ones, if you're looking for volunteers, one of the hard ones to get filled uh, that had things to do on a Pathfinder Sabbath is the morning prayer. So you're going to want one of your more mature Pathfinders to do that. But in your club meetings, your kids need to have a chance to, to offer prayer in front of everybody else. Um, last club I had in Minnesota, one day we had a meeting and I said, I was in an interesting situation and any one of you could have done something that most of the people couldn't. What was that? Well, I was at a wedding and the, the officiant that proclaimed them man and wife was not at the reception and they wanted somebody to offer a prayer for the food. It's amazing how many people you get in a situation like that that they realize that we need prayer or we need you know, somebody to do that. Nobody feels comfortable doing that. And so, mother of the groom comes to me a little embarrassed. Dave, um, can you offer the blessing for us? Yeah, it's no big deal, you know? Not a problem for me. But I also know any one of my Pathfinders could have done it. But we want, in our meetings and our campouts, we want to give our kids that opportunity in units, in front of the whole club, and in front of the whole church. We want to give them these opportunities. Because these are life skills that we're teaching, right? Oh, one other thing on Pathfinder Sabbath, something else that I always did, is afterwards, I had kids standing at each exit with a plate. Okay? And that went into Pathfinders. That's good. That's good. The Advent Source also has a booklet out on um, Pathfinder Sabbaths with some programs in it, and one that I used um, was based on, uh, I think it's a Pathfinder song. And you end up with about, you can have like four or five different speakers. Each one just has a little bit. And that makes it easier for them. What we need to do when we do that to make it to make the service work 
is to practice them getting up and down so we don't have Johnny go down and then, oh, when's Susie going to get up here? You know, we, we, it needs to be really smooth uh, you, without a big, it's not like you're trying to get the committee to come to order and then you, but we have to wait till we've got a quorum. You know, we, no, let's get on with it. Because our CAFA meetings, at our schools, at the school, we don't have access to it because all of their four or five clubs are all their students at Rock. So we use our church. So the Sunday before, Sunday meeting before our CAFA Saturday, we do a lot of fun to me. We look at everything. We don't make the kids. If we're doing, sometimes we do several, sometimes we do skits instead. The skits we will make. But it does, it helps them. It helps them a lot. A lot because at least even. You know, I've been involved in inductions where stuff gets out of order. And you know what? That's years ago. The sun still comes up. Yeah, and sometimes the people in church don't realize yeah. that it's wrong. Yeah. So you want to have a relationship with your kids. Now, if, you, if you're a part of a big club, you maybe can't, and you're the director, maybe you can't have a close relationship with all the kids, but hopefully you've got a counselor that can. And hopefully you've got a good relationship with the counselor. But our kids need to be encouraged, and they need to know that we care. We need to be an adult that they like and respect. Now, sometimes stereotypes can cause problems. Sometimes we can assume that just because Johnny got his big growth spurt, he's probably all mature now, right? Maybe, maybe he is. And maybe he's not. You know... It's interesting. Some of the some of the most outstanding pathfinders I have had were not the ones I initially had a great expectations of, the greatest ones, and I've just been blown away by what a lot of my kids have done. It's just been amazing and thrilling. We act like we are treated. Okay, here's a short story. I ended up, I get surprises from time to time. I ended up in the teen camp doing, I had not known I was going to be leading song service. So I did not go in with a long list of prepared stuff to do. But I, all of a sudden I find that I am the song leader this morning. Life is an adventure, right? <laughs> and so, one of the songs that I figure we can do is Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. So, typically, you divide that up 
into two groups. And you're going to stand, hallelujah, 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 and then praise ye the Lord. We had four groups. Boom, 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 boom. Now, I've also seen this done in three groups. Okay? Where you have hallelujah, 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 yeah. And then praise ye the Lord. But I had four groups. So I told them. Now, this is the junior tent, right? No, it's not. What tent is it? This team. Oh, then we can probably do this here, okay, since you're the teens. And, and so we had, we had four groups, and we did the three version, which means that you go and you, keep, you just keep cycling through it, and it was a little confusing to them initially, but once they caught on, if I didn't take it too fast, they had fun with it. But I gave them something to live up to. Because I told them, well, if, you were, if this was the junior tent, we couldn't do it. But they were the teens. Okay? And when, before 22 years ago, when I was still in Michigan, and I was talking to my club there, I said, we can do this because we are the blackbirds. We are the red-winged blackbirds, so we can do it. And we did it. And each of your clubs, you give them something to live up to. Yeah. Although sometimes, if you give them real high ones, sometimes they will blow right past you. And that's cool. We've been talking about some of this kind of stuff already uh, with the TLT program where you provide opportunities for them to take initiative, give them opportunities to teach. Um, we need to be consistent with them for acceptable behavior. Uh, and we'll get into the discipline more another time. Uh, give them enough structure so initiative can most likely be met and give them the amount of control that they can handle and appreciate. Find ways to get them involved in the decision-making of the club. And in different clubs, it's gonna, it's, the dynamics are going to be different. But if you're open to the idea of getting them involved in decision-making, uh, you'll figure out which areas that they can be the most help in. Uh, a simple one, uh, every year, uh, the club is supposed to be, uh, have an inspection with a area coordinator, and before the coordinator shows up, there's an evaluation that the club is supposed to have filled out. You can have that done by the kids. Okay? If you're brave enough to do that, if you are brave enough to do that, be prepared for disappointment, because they may not see it the way you see it. Okay? Give them as much control as they can manage. You know, we, we were talking about that. Um, provide controls to protect them from, from harm due to their own inexperience. Um, if you give somebody the sermon for Pathfinder Sabbath, don't just turn them loose and say, good luck. You know, often a pastor is willing to work with them. 
Um, not always. There are some pastors that, that don't for whatever reason. Or maybe you're in a district uh, of maybe you've, the pastor has three churches and you're the one way out on the end. And it, for, for, it's, it's just not going to work out. But maybe there's a local elder or maybe you can do it. But this is a slide I, I, I'm starting to question a little bit and I'm open to your feedback I'm, and I'm serious on this. It says, while peers do have an increasing influence on behavior, most adolescents retain their family values. Today, we're getting, our kids are, have their values affected by a lot of stuff that had never been thought of when I was a kid. And social media can do some wonderful things and it does some others. Adventurers and pathfinders can bring a wonderful dimension into a community. Um, and, and they can both be outreach. Um, plan activities that require collaboration rather than competitive efforts. We, we want our kids to learn to work together. Too often in this world, the world's attitude is to hell with you. And we want the attitude in our clubs to be to heaven with us. And, and we want them to be working together, um, not competing. Uh, that's one of the, thank you. How much time do I, have I run over? I'm done. Okay. So, you know, we could go for a long time, I'm sure. I'm not sure how many more slides I'm supposed to be doing here. Um, I appreciate that, okay. Um, so, Give your kids opportunities to lead. Um, we want them, give them a lot of positive uh, feedback when they do positive things. If they do something, you want to catch them doing stuff right. And the more you catch them doing stuff right, the less you'll have to correct. I'm hoping we can maybe touch on it tomorrow a little. Um, we got a late start today, and but time is has arrived. So thank you for bearing with me. Let me have a quick word of prayer, and I will sign your sheets. Our Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given us. We ask that you'll help us that we can encourage your kids. Some of them are our age. Some of them are decades younger. But help us all to encourage your kids and to help strengthen each other. We ask this in thy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www 
www.audioverse.org.